Good morning and welcome to Chet Chats. I'm your host, Chet. Today we're going to be discussing the presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joseph Biden yesterday. <laughs> wow, what a poop show. I don't know what to say about that. I tell you what, and, and I'm going to be pretty transparent in these videos. I'm going to share a little bit of my personal viewpoint, um, you know, just kind of for context so you guys know where I'm coming from on this. I, I'm i a registered libertarian. I am uh, fairly conservative-leaning, but I try to be very open-minded on issues and, you know, try to have no allegiance to a political party, uh, an allegiance only to the truth, to making America better, uh, to creating the greatest um, country that we can for everyone. Uh, I will say that going into this debate, I, I did have a preference for Donald Trump, and certainly not because of his personality, uh, certainly not because of his charisma, but just simply the implementation of policies that he's done. I think if you uh, sort of separate how he makes you feel when he speaks and you just look on paper to tangible quantifiable results i i had been fairly surprised at how successful he had been thus far in his administration i think he did a a, a really good job growing the economy and i do think you can credit him with that uh several different peace deals getting um, getting us out of different arrangements with other countries that were not in America's best interests. I think if nothing else, you can just simply point to the fact that it seemed like Donald Trump was always putting America first and saying essentially, you know, other, other countries be damned, uh, for lack of a better word. And that is something that really had not been done in quite some time. Oh, there we go. Okay, I think we're back on. Sorry. But yeah, so presidents would cater to uh, this idea of globalism, and Donald Trump has not done that. And he's put America first for the most part. And so that's been nice. That's been refreshing. Um, that's kind of the reason that I had been leaning towards um, supporting him. But I'll tell you what. Last night, the his performance was embarrassing. His performance was uh, that of a petulant child, and it was not something that I thought was very presidential. I really did not like how he truly could not let Joe Biden speak and could not let him finish any of his thoughts. You know, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I'm, I'm a trial attorney by trade. I've uh, been a lawyer for uh, right at 10 years now, tried a lot of cases to a jury. And the way you convince people is not to be an obstructionist. It's not to just prevent the other side from speaking. It is to give them enough rope to hang themselves with. And what he did an absolutely terrible job of doing was simply letting him speak, making taking down notes, and then piece by piece, picking apart what he said, showing the American people why what he said was either untrue or unfounded or just unreasoned. And he did an absolutely terrible job of that. Um, when you interrupt someone constantly, 
you're not really gaining anything because when you think about it, nobody can actually hear what you're saying. So you're not landing any punches. You're not landing any points. All they know is that you're interrupting. So in fact, you're actually harming yourself. You're, you're working against yourself by having that. Now, what I think he did was I think he went out there and expected Joe Biden to really flounder and to really get tripped up easily. So I think he came out of the gate with the strategy of, you know, I'm going to be a little difficult. I'm going to interrupt here and there. I'm going to throw him off his game. And hopefully he just flounders and ends up looking like a bumbling idiot. Now, that didn't end up happening. I think Joe Biden, for the most part, seemed, you know, with it. Um, he, he was, you know, doing about as well as, you know, I would say a, a mediocre candidate, you know, historically would do during a debate. So once Donald Trump realized that he wasn't having an Alzheimer's incident, uh, that he was actually speaking and, and being somewhat responsive then he should have backed off and he should have just said, okay, let's, we're going to make this more of a substantive debate as opposed to just try to throw him off his rocker. I mean, you have to be malleable and you have to be uh, willing to adjust your tactics as the case or debate unfolds in front of you. So, yeah, so that's a, and then just hit, now, I will say that behavior on Trump's part that I thought was very unbecoming of the presidency and really, at least in my mind, undermined his ability to be an effective leader. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I took from that. I will say substantively, there were a lot of things that Biden said that I thought either reflected just a departure from reality or just him trying to pander to... Uh, a liberal base. You know, one problem I had was that Biden would try to, in the same breath, blame Trump for all the COVID deaths and say that this was his fault. And at the same time, fault him for the economy and for jobs shutting down and businesses shutting down. And and I think, and I've seen this in, in multiple liberals and, you know, it to me, it's a little bit disingenuous because you can't in the same breath say he didn't shut down soon enough and he didn't take the virus seriously enough and then turn around and say, well, all the loss of jobs and the, um, the degradation of the economy is his fault because we all know the economy suffered and is suffering greatly because of the nature and extent of the shutdowns, which were done for the purposes of mitigating the results or the mitigating the effects of the coronavirus. So, and I mean, I think the left would even say, hey, you know, the, or at least they were saying in the beginning to hurt the economy is fine if it saves lives. Okay. I mean, that was sort of their position. So they were okay with hurting the economy and in fact would have presumably wanted to hurt the economy more by shutting even more things down and shutting things down even sooner. So you can't, in the same breath, with a straight face, sit there and blame Trump for a 10% unemployment rate, which was the result of a shutdown, and then say that he didn't shut the economy down soon enough. There, those two concepts are mutually exclusive. There is no way that you could have 
preserved all these jobs and then continually shut down the way they did and it even shut down more. So that was a point that I that I think just Biden should have not even tried to make. He should have left alone. It was very insulting to the intelligence of the American people. I thought Biden did a good job of at least saying that uh, violent protests are not condoned and that peaceful protests are okay, but violent protests are not the answer. You know, some people on the left have tried to uh, legitimize violence and have tried to say that it's somehow morally acceptable. And I'm very glad that he didn't say that. I will be curious to know whether he loses steam with the base or whether or not it fires up moderates, you know, to see that maybe Joe Biden isn't as extreme as some people thought. Now, with that thought, I will segue into into this. My problem with Joe Biden, I don't think he's a super effective politician, but most of his career, he's been pretty benign. He's been pretty just, you know, kind of a, a lump on the on a log, so to speak. So normally I would say there's really no harm in that because, you know, he just will sit there and not really rock the boat in either direction, kind of go along with things. The concern I have is that Biden being so complacent, being so old, um, and seemingly throughout the course of the Democratic primary going further and further left and pandering to the left, if he gets in office, will simply be a puppet to the socialist extremism, to the extreme left. And so we won't actually have a Biden presidency where his deeply held personal beliefs are implemented and you know advocated for, but he in fact will just be a puppet to the to the far left, which the Democrats seem to be pandering to right now. I'm not sure why. Um, we've never seen this in the history of our country of any political party seemingly pandering to their extreme base. Um, but that seems to be what's going on right now in the Democratic Party. So it does concern me that Biden doesn't seem to be a man of, of extreme principle and having his, his own ideas. He, you know, when you watch the primaries, you know, it seems like he would just go along and say whatever he needed to say so that he could be included in that group of leftist socialists. So that's my concern with the Biden administration. Uh, it's not so much a concern with him as an individual, but it's like, you know, is he going to be a Manchurian candidate? Is he going to be a puppet? Uh, if he's elected, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I hope that it is just, you know, a more moderate Democrat in office. I think that's something that we, we could live through. Um, I don't think we could live through someone who goes along with extremist leftist socialist ideologies. Um, I, I don't think our country would ever recover from that. So that's kind of my viewpoint. I don't, I honestly, at this point, I kind of don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and, and I want to take this time to segue now into the idea of a third party libertarian candidate. Why is it that... People always feel like a libertarian candidate or a vote for a libertarian candidate is throwing their vote away. And it's because they've, it's almost like because they've never been elected before, they assume that they wouldn't be elected. What's interesting in our last election, I think the numbers were somewhere in the mid 40% range of people did not vote. And neither candidate, neither Hillary nor Trump, 
I think, captured over 45% of the popular vote. And what the numbers seem to show, and I could be a little bit off on this, but I think this is pretty safe to say, if every person that didn't vote, who was eligible to vote, had voted for a singular third-party candidate, that third-party candidate would have won. And to further solidify the idea, if there was an extremely viable third-party candidate on the ticket, I'm sure some of the votes from Trump and some of the votes for Hillary would have gone to that third-party candidate, even further solidifying the victory. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is, if people actually voted their conscience and, and voted for who they really truly wanted in office, um, I think we would actually be able to get that. Now, the problem is not everybody is going to align perfectly with a specific third-party candidate. Not everybody who is... Just because you didn't vote for Trump or Hillary, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a libertarian. And, and I understand that and I respect that. What I think the Libertarian Party needs to do a better job of is getting a grassroots movement going sooner in time. I think right now, the day after the debate, there's a lot of support for the idea of a third-party candidate, and you know, specifically Libertarian. I, I think that right now, the sentiment today, the mood of America today is, gosh, I wish we had another alternative. But in the back of everyone's mind, they know that, or they believe, that if they were to vote for a Libertarian in this election, it would be throwing away their vote. If they didn't feel like they would be throwing away their vote, I think there'd be a lot of people lining up to register as a Libertarian and cast a vote for a Libertarian. So the Libertarian Party needs to do a better job of getting out in front of people, and I'm talking a year and a half before the election, start a grassroots campaign. Really pick someone, a solid candidate, someone really strong that people can get behind and put that person out in front of the American people. Really uh, show that person to be a viable candidate. So by the time you get to September 30th, by the time you get to the presidential debates just weeks before the election, that libertarian candidate is considered a viable candidate. If there were a viable libertarian candidate on that stage last night, I want you to think about how many votes they would have picked up. It's my estimation, if, let's say that libertarian candidate was going into the debate with only 10 or 15% uh, support in the polls, after last night's showing, I think they would have been at 20 to 30%. I mean, just after last night. I mean, because I think, and, and you have to ask yourself, you know, as somebody who watched it, would you, would you not have been very eager to consider a third party candidate after you watched what you watched last night? And, but I just don't think the Libertarian Party can wait till something like now to expect everyone to just jump ship and then cast their vote uh, with an L next to it. Uh, I, I don't think that's a really reasonable expectation. They need to sort of put themselves in that position to then capture the votes that are that are falling off of the boat of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. I do want to make one thing clear. I don't agree with Biden on a lot of his issues. So when I say that I don't have an issue with him, um, 
I mean, I don't think he has a good Second Amendment policy. I don't think he—I mean, there's just a lot of things where I just fundamentally disagree with the Democratic left on things. But there is a difference between simply disagreeing with a presidential uh, nominee, presidential candidate, and being truly, genuinely concerned about what's going to happen to our country. And— I think a lot of people were genuinely concerned that Trump was going to run the country into the ground. I think there was a lot of concern that he was going to start a nuclear war. I know I had some of those concerns when he was running for office. And I, I think, though, in the last three and a half years, we've seen that, you know, he's been, um, you know, he's been pretty obnoxious, but things have kind of, uh, you know, trucked along. Things have kind of kept moving and... You know, we've reached some deals with people and some peace accords and, and an economy growth. So I think he's done better than what we all expected. Now, I know that's not saying much, but, you know, I, I do think he has sort of vitiated a lot of the doom and gloom concern. Let me be clear, though, about a, a major criticism of Trump and something that people typically will say is that he is divisive. And on the one hand... I think people should ignore what he says and how he acts and focus on what he does and the policies that he implements. And I've been a big proponent of that, you know, during his entire administration. I've told people, look, you got to, you know, don't focus on what he says and, and how he makes you feel, but um, focus on what he does. But, on the, but at the same time, I do recognize that a, one of the uh, jobs of a president is to unify the country. One of the jobs of the chief executive, the commander-in-chief of the United States of America is to bring people together. And you don't do that effectively when you are very divisive. And I think that is above and beyond just, you know, affecting people's feelings and, you know, how he comes across. I do think that is a major downfall of his administration. I think that he could have implemented all of the same policies that he has and had all of the upside and the benefit and the growth that has been experienced. But if he could have been more presidential, if he could have been more diplomatic, I think he could have brought people together. And the pendulum is always going to swing back and forth. I think the job of a president should be to do what they think is right and to do the best job they can, but at the same time to reach up, try to grab that pendulum and slow it down, to bring it to a standstill, if you will. We don't need a pendulum swinging back and forth. You know, people responding to eight years of Obama um, with Trump and feeling like, you know, the country's going in more of a socialist direction, so they, they elect somebody like Trump. Trump had an opportunity to take that election to restore some of the things that he restored, which I genuinely think are good, but to try to slow down the pendulum and unify people on the right and left. And I think he's done a terrible job at that. That is going to wrap it up for today. We are coming up on the 20-minute mark Um this podcast. I know I called it a video earlier. I apologize. Uh, I used to making videos. So this is a obviously a podcast. 
Uh, we're going to shoot for somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes so that people can listen on their drive to and from work or maybe when they're on the treadmill. So uh, very, very much hope that you all enjoyed this segment where you have a lot of great topics that we're going to be covering. Thank you so much and thank you for listening to Chit Chats.